We're Wayne and Leanne Thomas, and this is Anything Together. Where we discuss marriage and life with a blended family through a Christian worldview. And today we're going to be talking about marital communication, where we've gotten it wrong, what we've learned, and how our communication skills as a couple have improved throughout the years. So we're glad to have you with us for episode three on the Anything Together podcast. You know what? I'm grateful for how far we've come with the whole communication thing. I mean, we still have some challenging moments here and there, but that's really just because I'm part of the equation. (laughs) Early on in our marriage, I can remember thinking that if anything, I was great at communication. Man, little did I know how much learning I still had to do. But communication has always been a really big deal to us. Wayne even bought me a cell phone when we were dating and shipped it to me so we could talk every day. When we first met, we were living on opposite ends of the country. So talking and emailing and chatting it up in our little AOL chat room was everything to us. We talked every day for months before we ever even met in person. And because of that, we knew so much about each other. We would send cards and letters and email each other all the time. We worked hard to stay close by talking and texting as often as we could as we went through that long-distance relationship. Man, long-distance was so hard, but we did make it work through consistent and effective communication. But like you said, there's so much nuance and variety to communication, and it's way more complex than just talking in general. And when I think about all the different modes of, of communication, my mind immediately goes to the differences between verbal and nonverbal communication Mm. and how we really don't even consider the nonverbal stuff when we're thinking about improving communication. And that nonverbal stuff has really either enhanced our marriage or super complicated the heck out of it. Mm. In fact, I think it's just as powerful as verbal communication, if not more powerful, depending on the situation. Yeah, definitely. So of course, all, we all know what verbal communication is, but the nonverbal stuff is everything else you do to express yourself. Yep. The look you give, movements, postures, facial expressions, even yeah. silence. There are lots of ways to share thoughts and feelings, ideas, criticisms, needs, pain, the list goes on and on. Yep. And communication in a marriage is vitally important. This is how we learn and know our spouse. It's one of the ways we intimately know our spouse. We express our love, we solve problems and make plans, and we reveal our pain, our despair, and our joy. We reveal our innermost selves to our soulmates through it. I can't say this with enough emphasis. Good communication is at the very foundation of a healthy marriage. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about it this week, and we'll talk about some of the ways that we and others have done it wrong. And so the first thing we thought of to talk about is refusing to open up and share your feelings. Yeah, when we don't communicate with each other or one spouse doesn't want to talk, this is going to lead to communication problems. And it's maybe a bit self-explanatory, but refusing to open up to your spouse will cause things to go bad rather quickly. The result of this is that a couple can't know each other very deeply, and that shallow understanding of each other will sabotage the emotional intimacy that both of you actually want, even if one of you doesn't know you want it. 
Remember how in our last episode I mentioned that emotional intimacy is what leads a woman to want sexual intimacy? And of course, I don't want to assume that the lack of communication is always on the part of the man because that's just not always the case. But if either spouse isn't open about their thoughts and feelings, opinions and ideas, their worldview, their goals, plans, it makes it impossible for the other spouse to know them very well. This is just not good for a marriage. If you're dealing with something like this, it's our opinion that you just need to approach it by considering what the reason might be that your husband or wife is hesitant to communicate. And there are a number of reasons why people might be like this. One of these things could be past trauma, and it could be a result of any number of traumatic experiences. Or it could be wounding from a previous relationship. It could be that they grew up in a home with parents who were that way, and that's all they've known. But, and I'm just covering all the bases here, it could also be that they have some unresolved bitterness toward you, and there's some things that maybe need to be worked out. And so maybe they're choosing not to share themselves with you. It's important, though, to seek to find out what that reason is for this lack of communication. So it's tough because you're going to have to communicate about the lack of communication. Mm. But this is where we would say, don't give up. Create opportunities to discuss what might be the cause and get to the bottom of it. But your approach is so important. I mean, maybe they stopped talking a while back because they don't feel love and support from you that they need. It is possible that while you don't believe you've done anything to cause this lack of communication, your spouse does. But then there's a different variation to this where the spouse who isn't communicating well decides to just say everything they think the other one wants to hear simply to avoid conflict. Mm. This is not communication. It's avoidance and appeasement. And listen, there are all kinds of people in the world with different tolerances for different things. And what I'm saying is, when it comes to conflict, we all know that there are some folks who let things bounce off of them a little easier. Some people just aren't as bothered by conflict or confrontation. And then some people are super freaked out by it. So freaked out that they avoid it at all costs. So if you figure out that your spouse is doing this, there are some things you need to consider. One, what is their tolerance for conflict? Two, how aggressive have you been with them in previous conflicts? And three, Is it possible you've inadvertently scared them away from sharing themselves with you based on your past anger or aggression in those conflicts? Heck, maybe you were aggressive on purpose, in which case it's possible you were gaslighting your spouse. But that's a topic for another episode. Now, is it possible that this husband or wife is operating this way based on an experience they had with someone else? Of course. But you owe it to your marriage and to your spouse to honestly and humbly approach this to find out. And then there was my situation. I remember early in our marriage, there would be things that would bother me and let me be fully transparent. I was easily bothered. I was pretty self-centered and I had very little patience back then. But I would feel bothered by things, usually by little insignificant things that annoyed me. But I would suppress those feelings in order to stay peaceful with Leanne. Mm. I didn't suppress all of them. We still had disagreements. We would bicker like all married people do. But over time, those things that I would suppress started to build up. And then one day, out of the blue, I would completely lose my temper and blow up on her because I had been stacking things internally and not dealing with them appropriately. Now, there were some other things at play in me back then. 
I had some unresolved issues from my childhood, and I had some wounding from previous relationships as well. So I was carrying around some baggage. But let me be clear. Most everyone else in this world is carrying around baggage of some kind. And these things can compound communication problems. So in light of all of that, refusing to communicate, even when what you think you're doing is keeping the peace, can actually cause bigger problems over time. And now Leanne and I are very intentional to talk regularly about everything. If I'm looking like I might be holding something inside, she presses me about it. And if it's trivial, then it's out in the open and we can deal with that thing too. Because being upset over trivial things is such a waste of time and emotion. And it's something I'm constantly working on too. And what I mean by trivial things is it's things that really I shouldn't be upset about in the first place. I am a work in progress. Hmm. And there's another side to this thing also that I'm thinking of, and it's the refusal or avoiding to confess or apologize for a wrongdoing, avoiding apologizing when it's called for. Look, we've all sinned against our spouses. We've all made mistakes in our marriages. And I can't think of a single successful marriage that I know of that has succeeded without a whole lot of forgiveness. So we encourage you to be keenly aware of your own sins in your marriage and always be quick to confess and apologize for them. Okay, the next problem area of marital communication we want to talk about is our reactions. Mm. Yeah, raise your hand if you've never overreacted to your spouse. Go ahead, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've all overreacted from time to time, haven't we? I am a classic, and I mean textbook overreactor. Oh my gosh. So what you're going to learn as we unpack our story over the coming weeks months, and hopefully years on this podcast, is that I am a sinful, flawed human being. And this sweet woman sitting next to me deserves a potent Nobel Peace Prize. She has the patience of Job. But I digress. Overreacting is poor communication. It's your choice to overreact every single time. That's right. Every time. Overreacting is not inadvertent. It isn't just in your DNA. I can't tell you how many years I spent believing that my angry overreactions were just how I was. I would think to myself, that's just who I am. Take me or leave me. Leanne actually wrote an article about this very thing on our website. It's called Baby, I Was Born This Way. You should check it out. But this mentality is ludicrous. We're adults and we're completely in control of what we say and how we say it, including how we react to everything. It's a choice. Let that liberate you over reactors, because when I realized I actually had been lying to myself the whole time and that I really could control my emotions and my reactions, I had a new lease on life. So did Leanne. So how did I do that? Well, as a believer in Christ, I learned over time that my reactions were directly correlated to my proximity to Jesus. See, I've gone through seasons of seeking the Lord daily through studying the Bible and through prayer. And through those seasons, I've seen those sinful reactions of mine be greatly reduced. And when I've gone through times of busyness, forgetting to read my Bible or to pray as often as I should, where I'm not seeking God as consistently, those sinful reactions have been much more prevalent. But here is how I realized I had been lying to myself all that time. I read Colossians 3. Paul says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. He says, 
Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, all of which is idolatry. And rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. And as soon as I read that the Lord wanted me to put those things to death, suddenly I realized that it was actually within my power to do just that. Because God wouldn't word it that way if it wasn't within my power to do it. I have a sinful nature, yes, but the grace and mercy of Jesus, through his salvation, his redemption of me, gives me the supernatural ability to put those old behaviors to death. So you're not condemned to continue the angry cycle you're in. Your angry reactions are not hereditary. They aren't just who you are. And as a Christian, you have more power to change than you even realize. If you're an angry overreactor, like I was, am sometimes, I encourage you to pray and ask God to help you see that you aren't powerless to change it. Okay, now we want to talk about poor listening. I feel so attacked in this episode. <laughs> Let's start with something called selective hearing. Mm. Do you ever feel like your spouse only hears what they want to hear? Do you sometimes do that yourself? This is where one person is talking and the other person hears the things that pertain to them or that they want to listen to. And they kind of tune out the rest. Problem is, later, when the first person asks the second person for feedback on what was said, the second person has no idea what they're talking about hmm. and has very little recollection and therefore not a whole lot of feedback to give. This is a terrible habit, and it's a great example of poor listening. I can't relate to it at all. <laughs> Have you ever been in an argument and the other person's speaking, but in your mind, you're already planning out all those really important things that you're going to say when it's your turn? Oh, you'll hear some of what they're saying, but most of it is being drowned out by that detailed script that you're writing in your own head. We should stop our racing thoughts and give our spouse the time they need to explain theirs. And I agree. And in my own brain, I have the hardest time drawing a hard line between selective hearing and distracted listening. Distracted listening is equally negative, though, I think. Mm -hmm. And I touched on this in another episode when we talked about the five most important things a wife needs from her husband. When your spouse is talking, it is so important to listen without distractions. The least you can do is to remove all the distractions that you have control over. Put your phone down, turn down the TV, and look them in the eye. We're all so used to having our eyes on a screen these days. While doing five other things, it's almost automatic that we're multitasking while we're in conversation with someone. But there are a few reasons why distracted listening is actually harmful to a marriage. And one is that you aren't going to catch all the details they're giving you. Some of what is said will be completely lost and you won't be on the same page at all. Another one is that unintentionally, it makes your spouse feel less important than the other things that you're attending to. Listening to each other well does require a little self-discipline, but it's not like a huge amount. This is actually a pretty easy fix. It just takes wanting to fix it. Actually listening to your spouse when they're talking to you has many lasting benefits. It fosters trust and respect and emotional intimacy, and it builds on the bond and feeling of security between you. So want to fix it. Your marriage will thank you. And so will your unlistened to spouse. Mm -hmm. All right. So then there is all the communication surrounding marital and family decisions. 
One thing we had some challenges with in this area was finances. Leanne and I share access to our bank account. And as any married couple should be, we have to be on the same page regarding our finances. Early on in our marriage, one of the things that caused some conflict, some friction, was when one of us would spend money without talking to the other first. Mm -hmm. Healthy communication in a marriage requires honesty and full transparency. And spending money from a shared account without your spouse's knowledge isn't fair unless there's an agreement between you to begin with. Now, it was a pretty cut and dry fix for us. So what we agreed to do was to never spend over a certain amount, an amount that we agreed upon together, a spending limit. And then we wouldn't spend over that amount without talking to each other first about it. So if you're struggling in that area, just know it can be a simple fix. Leanne and I made that change and never looked back. It works. Another way we've struggled a little in this area is in forgetting to share appointments and things that have been scheduled with each other. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times we've both scheduled doctor's appointments, parent-teacher meetings, um, or we heard about a choir concert that was coming up, some other important event for one of our kids, and we've forgotten to tell the other in our constant busyness. Or one will swear they told the other and they actually never did. Yes, it's usually accidental, but not sharing these things equals poor communication. So what Leanne and I came up with is that we share a Google Calendar. It's cloud-based, so we can see it from anywhere and on any of our devices. And we put anything and everything on that calendar as soon as we plan or schedule or hear about events coming up. This has been a true game changer in this department for us. But look, we're human and things still slip through the cracks and we forget to even put something in the calendar. But it happens so much less frequently these days. The Google Calendar is a really logical solution to this problem. And the way that we came up with the Google Calendar is just to create a Gmail account that we are both on, that we Mm -hmm. both have access to. We have our own email addresses, several of them, but but we do have one that is for anything that pertains to both of us together. And it Mm -hmm. was just such a smart move because anything having to do with our kids, doctors, um, our church ministries schools that our kids uh, go to, all of those things would go through this email address so that we could both see them, both respond to them. And because it's connected to Google Calendar and to the Notes app, we could access all of that together. And so that's been super helpful to us. But also another possible issue directly related to this is when one spouse actually schedules something for the both of them as a couple or even as a whole family without first talking to the other person. There have been a few times when this has happened that caused an you know, understandable disagreement between us. The considerate way to plan both as a married couple and as a family is to plan it together. And last, we want to warn you about the pitfalls of texting. Oh, man. Texting. We love texting. We're big texters. We do. It's quick. It's convenient. You don't have to talk to people on the phone. It's great for people who hate talking on the phone. In fact, I believe texting has created more haters of phone talking than there ever were before texting. Yep. But the problem with texting is it's one dimensional. And so it can cause some real challenges and even the simplest of conversations. When you text someone, you can't hear their inflections in their voice. You can't see the expression on their face or any of that nonverbal stuff that we talked about earlier. Conversations and texts can devolve quickly into heated arguments because something can be interpreted in a way that's different than what it was intended. 
And because the opportunity for misunderstanding each other is so high with texting, we suggest some simple guidelines to keep this from happening. First, avoid texting difficult things to one another. Avoid topics such as hurt feelings, insecurities, confessions, and apologies over text. Save those talks for when you're together. Your expressions and the tones and volume of your voice are important, and your spouse needs to see your face for talks like that. And when we're texting and we feel like the conversation is about to go off the rails, we just kind of politely state that the texting isn't working for that conversation. Mm -hmm. And we ask each other if we could put it on hold until we're together. These guidelines have helped us, but they've taken a while to develop. And we've gone through lots of trial and error with all this stuff. A whole lot. Of course, there are so many more types of communication challenges that we could discuss. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the ones that we've experienced and how we came up with solutions that worked for us. This is something we have to work on daily, though. It's not an overnight fix. We have to constantly be aware of our tone, our approach, the timing, intention, the words we use. And we're not always going to get this right. But we should always try to be good communicators with our spouse because we love them and they deserve our best every day. Before we wrap up this episode on communication, we'd like to give you some quick tips on how to improve the communication in your marriage. Number one, play games together. Board games, online games, get the kids involved, or just play as a couple. Number two, get some of those cards with the questions on them. We have a couple different kinds that we like that we've found, and we can link them if anyone's interested, but they contain thought-provoking questions that really help you to get to know each other better, and they get that conversation going. All right. Number three, please don't start off a conversation with, honey, we need to talk. Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) Nothing strikes fear in the heart like hearing those words. Man, you might as well say, honey, put up your guard. I'm coming at you. (laughs) The more you work on your communication, the easier it'll be to lead into the conversation without that warning, Mm -hmm. even if you do have heavy things to talk about. Yeah. Number four, create a climate of open communication by being open yourself open-hearted and open-minded. That means when they do have something to talk about, you listen and you engage and hear them out completely, even if it hurts to hear what they're saying. They'll see that you cared enough to really hear them, and it'll become a standard in the way that you treat each other. And number five, have fun together and don't neglect the marriage because of being busy. Find ways to spend time alone and have fun together. While you're together, talk about some fun memories or about what's on the calendar this week or come up with some ideas for that name you should choose for that joint email address. Yeah. Most of all, model what you want yourself. If you want your spouse to be a better listener, show them what that looks like by being a better listener yourself. Mm -hmm. If you want them to be less defensive or kinder in their reactions to you, be less defensive and be kinder to them. We hope that these help. And we'd love to hear your tips for bettering communication in your marriage. Yeah, and we would really appreciate your feedback. So comment down below and let us know what you think. And we want to thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this or it helped you in some way, please like and share it with someone you know. Also, subscribe to our channel and go check out our website at anythingtogether.org for even more of our marriage and family content. God bless you guys. And always remember... You can do anything together.